Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Hey, it is Father's Day, and I am so glad that you are here with us and worshiping. Hey, dads, I want to take the time, first off, to say thank you. Uh, Thank you for being who you are today, and each of us who are fathers has an opportunity to do better and to grow, and we continue to grow, and I hope that happens. But I, I, I do want to challenge you and to think about one thing. The greatest blessing that we can give to our children and the greatest legacy is not not wealth. That vanishes. The greatest legacy we can leave and to give is the gift of faith. And so what you're doing right now, modeling worship, uh, taking time to make worship a priority, that's a good thing. That's an excellent thing. And for you to set an example to your children about how to worship and gathering, that is a super thing. So thank you for being a part of this worship. And thank you for joining us today. You are modeling for your children what it means to live the life of faith. So well done, and happy Father's Day. Hey, the text for us this morning comes from Deuteronomy. We're looking at the foundation, the foundation of the Christian faith, the foundation of a life of worship. And so here now, to God, here now to God's word to you and to me from Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter. And I will read from verses 6 through 20 selections. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Therefore... You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in the heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, so before we get into the particular commandment of not bearing false witness against our neighbor, I want us to remember again the Ten Commandments, because when we hear the word Ten Commandments, often we think of them as both prohibitions and restrictions, but that's not at all what these are. The Ten Commandments are not restrictions. They are, for those of us who love God, these are our act of worship because of all that God has already done for us. The Ten Commandments do not start with, you shall have no other gods before me. No, it's absolutely essential that we start with the truth that God is the God who brought us out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. Therefore, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Everything follows because of everything that God has already done for us. 
These are not restrictions. These are our acts of worship because of all that God has already done. These are not prohibitions. These are the foundations for living the blessed Zoe life, life as God intended for us to live. And I want you to listen to the heart of God in the, in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God says simply, gang, guys, this is why these laws are written for you. This is the reason why I am sharing with you these Ten Commandments. They're not prohibitions. They're not restrictions. Listen to the heart of God. He says to us very simply, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. And what God is giving to us is an amazing gift. It is an amazing gift. He's saying, look, here's the pathway to blessing and to life. And here's the pathway that leads to death and curses. Choose life. And the way we do that is by choosing to follow the God who loves us and gives us the pathways that lead to the life that we were meant to live. You know, we have been looking at John 10.10 10 a lot during this series because that shows us God's intent. I came, Jesus says, that you might have life. What kind of life? The abundant life, the Zoe life, life that's truly worth living, life that is thriving, regardless of the circumstances. And we are terribly and sadly mistaken when we view God and his instructions as restrictions. That's such an offense. It is such a misreading of who God is. These are not prohibitions against our freedom. These are, in fact, the very pathways that frees us to live the life that we were meant to live. You know, uh, Rabindranath Tagore was a Bengali poet, an Indian poet, musician, and he was the first non-European to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. And in one of his writings, he writes, I have on my table a violin string. It is free to move in any direction I like. If I twist one end, it responds. It is free, but it is not free to sing. So I take it, and I fix it onto my violin. I bind it, and when it is bound, it is free for the first time to sing. We were created to live the blessed life. We find our freedom and our purpose when we live that blessed life. And to live that life, we must bind ourselves to kingdom principles. That's what the Ten Commandments are. They are the pathway that enables us, equips us to live the blessed life. 
the life that we were meant to live. So we find ourselves now at the ninth command. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Now, the Ten Commandments can be found both in the book of Exodus and in the book of Deuteronomy. And although both in our English translations, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, the English translations mention giving false testimony, when you look at the Hebrew, the Exodus uses a different word that's translated as false testimony than Deuteronomy. In Exodus, the Hebrew word there has the intent of lying or saying something untrue. And the imagery it has is in the court sense, in a court, in a judicial sense. Deuteronomy, the Hebrew word there that's translated as false testimony, talks more about the intent. It's Meaning is insincere, empty, or frivolous. Exodus concerns the nature of the evidence, and Deuteronomy emphasizes the spirit in which a word is spoken. The Exodus account has in mind a court setting where justice can only be justice, and justice can only happen if witnesses tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But the Deuteronomy text expands the meaning to a larger context by using a word that implies false or untrue or insincere, thus pointing to the deceitful purpose that intends to harm another. And it it points to the intention. Why are we speaking these words that are insincere, untrue, and false? If it's to harm and injure others, That's what this text is talking about. This includes not only lies, but also exaggerations, half-truths, and silence. When silence leads to injury, and it prevents another from living the full blessed life. You see, truth is the cement that holds society together. And things fall apart when people don't keep their promises. And that's true whether it's in, in business or it's true when vows at the marriage altar are broken. Truth is what holds marriage's life together. Now, this is such a foundational principle that God uses the harshest word possible. Now, you see, almost all of the Bible talks about a God who is a God of love. And so whenever you find anywhere in Scripture, and there's only a couple of passages where God says, I hate, when the God of love says, I hate, we ought to pay attention. Listen to what God says in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. God says, there are six six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, 
feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Did you notice out of those things, lying, false testimony is mentioned twice. The God of love hates a lying tongue. God of love hates a false witness who pours out lies. And, and there are two key theological, biblical reasons why lying and words used to destroy and steal the capacity of another to live the blessed life is so egregious to God. First is, is that God is a truth-telling, promise-keeping God who cannot lie. You see, in God's kingdom, in God's reality, there is never a time when God's word does not mean what God's word means. God's word, when God speaks it, and, and, and God said in the beginning, let there be light. What happens? Light is created. And whenever God speaks, God's spoken word is reality. There is no distinction. There is never a time when God speaks and it is, it is not what God's word says. The second theological, biblical reason why untruth, false testimony is such an egregious thing to God is, you see, whereas God is the truth-telling, promise-keeping God who cannot lie, Satan is the father of lies. We're told in John chapter 8, verse 44, Lying is part of Satan's image, not God's. We were created to bear likeness to God, not to Satan. But whenever we tell untruth, that's who we end up looking like. And you see, love and truth-telling go together. If you love God, you cannot lie. If you love, your words must mean what they mean. Lies and love are antithetical. Our words must mean what they mean if we love God. It is simply impossible to love God and lie, for, for there is no godliness without truthfulness. In the context of even just human relationships, if we love our spouse, our vows, our words, must mean what they mean. If we love, we cannot lie, bear false witness. And I know, I know, just like all the other weeks with these commandments, I am guilty too. I am not perfect. But I am working towards being better. And that's how we started this whole series, right? In the beginning, we're not, nobody's a perfect dad. But we must strive towards that. That lying in some shape or form is so universal is probably the most compelling proof of our fallenness and original sin that we, no one has to teach us how to lie. You know, I never taught my kids how to lie. 
And it was astonishing. Even when they were very young, as soon as they couldn't even really speak sentences, but when they were comprehending, they already knew how to lie. Who taught them that? How does that even happen? So what do we do? What are some takeaways? So the first takeaway is this. Because God is a God of love and a God who desires for all to live the fullness of life, just as God's word brings life to others, use your words to lift up, to encourage, to inspire, to bless others. Just as God's word always does those things, blesses, lifts up, builds up. So our words must lift up, build up, and encourage. And if they don't do those things, don't say them. I'm working on that. When the love that seeks another's good prompts us to withhold truth such that if spoken would bring more harm, the spirit of the ninth commandment is preserved. So check this out. When, when actually speaking the truth would harm another, it's wise... to withhold that truth if it, lift, if it leads to the building up of another. Okay, so this is a tricky one. you got to use some wisdom on this. So, you know, men, if your wife, when your wife ever says anything like, Honey, does this dress make me look fat? The answer always always is, honey, you look beautiful no matter what you wear. When the love that seeks the other's good prompts us to withhold truth that if spoken would bring more harm, it's better to use wisdom. When your husband says to you, ladies, honey, I'm such an idiot. It may very well be a true statement. Yeah, you are an idiot. But you don't say that. When the love that seeks the other's good prompts us to withhold that truth, if spoken, would bring more harm, use wisdom. And that still preserves the ninth commandment. And there are, you know, those were some frivolous types of examples. Let me give you some two more serious examples where this is the case. First is a biblical incidence we find in Joshua chapter 2 with a person named Rahab. And one of the things about Rahab, she's in the genealogy of Jesus in the book of uh, Gospel according to Matthew. But one of the things I feel bad about Rahab is every time she's mentioned in the scripture, she's referred to Rahab the prostitute. The prostitute in Jericho. And and what was happening is when Joshua 
was leading the Israelites into Jericho to start conquering the land, they sent in spies to check out the land first. And it was Rahab, the prostitute, who hid the spies from Jericho's military police. And she did not, she ends up lying about when the troops show up saying, hey, have you seen the Jewish spies? She lies to protect the Jews. And God uses that story and over and over where the lying led to the preservation of life as a good thing. And we know some historical examples, for instance, under Nazi Germany, those who were hiding Jews from the Nazis, they, they kept lying in order to preserve life. When the love that seeks the other's good prompts us to withhold that truth, use wisdom, this principle still applies. So, in closing, look. We who love God and worship God, our words are to be used to build people up, to bless people, to lift up people so that all people might live the Zoe life, the fullness of life, life that's worth living. And when it comes to speaking truth like that, the church ought to lead the way in speaking in such a way that blesses and builds others up. Let us pray. Lord, thank you again for your truth you reveal to us in your scripture. God, thank you and help us to become men and women of truth where our words lead to the blessing and the building up of others. Father, we do ask that you use the church, even at such a time as this, to be a source of healing and hope in a world that is filled with strife and division. Thank you, God, for your son. Hey, friends, uh, this, these commands, these foundations are not for the world. These are given to those who love God and follow God have made the decision to do so. And so these are for the church. And if you've never been, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's the way you begin first. And then these foundational principles apply to you. So if you've never done so, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the way you do that is by saying, and praying something like this in your own words. And if you've never done so, say that in your own words as you hear me say it. Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. I choose to follow you and your ways. Now, if you've said that prayer, fantastic. The very next thing you're going to need is a church family. You do not live this Christian life on your own. And we would love to be that church. So if that's you, you get in touch with us with the contact uh, form at the b below at this, uh, on either the web page or on the YouTube page and let us know. We will contact you and give you next steps. For the rest of us, let's join in prayer. God. 
Help us so that our words lead to blessing, life. Forgive us for the times when our words destroy, harm, hurt, and injure others. So God, help this church to lead the way in speaking in such a way that our words bless and build others up. Thank you so much. It's in your son's name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.